You're listening to episode 93 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and if you're listening to this, you're probably a maverick like me. How convenient because I literally made the show just for you. I'm a business scaling strategist that's been in the game for almost a decade now, and I'm weirdly passionate about helping impact-driven entrepreneurs, business owners, brands, and go-getters scale their businesses and their lives. Imagine taking your impact, your income, and your freedom of time to the levels that you can only dream about. Making your mission known to the world and mastering your business strategy so you don't have to keep on trading dollars for hours. I built two two two-comma businesses doing what I love, what I believe in, and a lot of that has to do with teaching you how to do the same. We drill down on strategy, but we know that it takes more than just business tactics to live the life that you envision. So we go deep on health optimization, mindset, leadership, relationships, and just being that scaled up version of you who is primed and ready to step into your purpose and peak performance. Some days I record this bad Larry from my closet to escape my three littles, and some days I'm down at my barn office on our 12-acre farm. So do me a favor, grab your notebook and a pen and your favorite bevy, and let's get to the show. One of the most broken narratives I hear from entrepreneurs and my students and clients is that they feel like they don't know what their unique gifts are or what their special spin is when it comes to how they're going to stand out in a saturated market. So I created a worksheet that I've used for myself and for those clients to help you know with clarity what sets you apart so you can identify your true superpower as both an individual and as an entrepreneur. So you can snag it by shooting me a text. So send a text to 38470 using the word superpower. 38470, and that's all one word, superpower. You have that secret sauce. You just need to nail it down with some confidence, and this worksheet is totally free, and it's going to help you do that. I know that some of you listening in haven't taken that leap into full-time business and entrepreneurship yet, so you're still juggling life as an employee and a business owner. It's a tough thing to do. So how do you know if and when it's the right time to take that leap? Well, I asked someone who's been there. Today, we have the lovely Kat Harris on the show, a Brooklyn-based online educator, content creator, female empowerment advocate, and someone who got their start As a full-time photographer, she was featured in publications like GQ, Forbes, People, Us Weekly. Never heard of any of those. So while her full-time gig was thriving and she had these amazing opportunities in front of her, she was still feeling called to her passion project that wasn't really producing much quite yet. That might sound familiar too. So I wanted to know all the things from Kat. So I wanted to know how she made her passion project a profitable project, how she knew when it was time to take the leap. And really also what that transition looked like for her. And an answer that might surprise you when I asked her the question whether she thinks full-time entrepreneurship is right for everybody. So let's tune in, shall we? Kat, I am so excited to welcome you to Scaling Up and pepper you with questions that I know are going to speak directly into the souls of our listeners. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. And you are just glowing in this Zoom room that we have. You have found your light. It looks amazing. I'm (laughs) sitting in front of a window. Don't be deceived. (laughs) But thank you. Yeah. Um, So whenever I'm like two rooms between me and my kids, which being in my closet right now, I tend to glow because I'm (laughs) I'm not chasing the minions and stress. So totally. I'll take it as a win. Yeah. Um, 
before we talk about kind of what brought you to this point in your journey mm-hmm. and I really like, I want to hear the story because it's so mm-hmm. incredible. You start off as this D1 college athlete, you're on a full ride, and then you just take this sharp left turn. Mm-hmm. And I would love for you to enlighten us and the listeners, just how did this all come to be to this point where you are now? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like my life, uh, if it were a game, it would be shoots and ladders. Like a lot of like two steps forward, three steps back, and then whoa, like a slide down this slide or climb up this ladder that I didn't even know was there. And yeah, I just, nothing about my life has turned out the way I thought it would. And, um, but then I can look back and say, gosh, thank God that things didn't happen the way I, I planned because I just, I think that sometimes we can think our dreams are really big and then we can limit ourselves with that unknown. And I'm so grateful in hindsight that I like didn't get what I wanted when I wanted it. So yeah, I mean, my big goal for most of my life was I was an avid tennis player. I mean, my mom still jokes that I had like tennis balls, like in my veins, I lived, breathed, ate it, slept it, all the things. And my big goal was I just, I wanted to play uh, D1 college tennis, get a full ride scholarship. And really from there, I didn't have a huge plan. Um, I thought, you know, I'm from Texas. I thought I would go to college, meet my partner and get married and start popping out babies by the time I was 21. And here I am almost 35, single, no kids living in New York City. But yeah, about midway through college, I I got I was super injured. I unfortunately throughout college got laced with just back injury after back injury and was in a really unfortunate program where there was a lot of like verbal abuse and so this thing that I loved so much and brought me so much life became the source of like some of the greatest pain in my life and that was so hard to like navigate and figure out and I just got to this point where like I had to get out of that environment. And I ended up transferring to a really small Christian school. I went from a school of like almost 50,000 people being an athlete my whole life. And that's what I was known for to transferring to a school with like less people than my high school. And then I became a Bible major. I was new to my faith at the time. And I thought, I'm curious about learning more about my faith. So I've, I had been told that your degree was just a piece of paper, which now I'm, I'll probably like disagree with that <laughs> like 15 years out. Um, but I figured, well, if it's just a piece of paper, I might as well study something I'm interested in. And so I was one of the only women in my major because at the time, not a lot of women were in leadership positions, unfortunately, in the church. And I was like, I'm just going to like get this major and then pop out babies. Well, then two weeks after I graduated college, I actually moved to San Diego, California to work for a media-based nonprofit. And that was kind of one of the pillar moments of my life that I think shifted my direction. I went from living in Texas for most of my life to living in an intern house with 50 people, making $7 a day, and then traveling around the United States and living out of a van for three months, doing advocacy work for um, the nonprofit that I worked for. 
And um, it was really in that time where I think my whole life, I labeled myself as an athlete. And then I let other people label me as such. And I, I didn't ever think there was a creative bone in my body. And it was my founder of the company that I worked for. He said, like all humans are creative because God is creative. And if like every human was like created by God, then we all have creativity pulsing through our veins. It's just finding that thing that lights you up and getting good at it and then using it for good. So long story short, I don't know how much you want me to like share about all of this, but a few years later, I ended up landing a job with one of the top photographers in the nation. And I had zero experience, didn't know how to turn on a camera, let alone edit a photo. And there I found myself at this job doing like our, like all of his clients were A-list celebrities. And I was like, how did I get here? And had never been to New York city before working for him. And he would shoot runway each season. So I went to New York City for the first time and was shooting runway and we were put up in this fancy hotel by the magazine we were working for. And I was like, what is happening? Like my life is like, what? Like, I'm just like a Texas girl. Like I had, do not know what I'm doing here. I just kept going with it. So that's kind of like, that's kind of how I went from like athlete to switching majors to, um, to that. And there's definitely more twists and turns. Um, but yeah, that's like kind of up to that point. I love the, how you just kind of followed your heart in the process. And even though it was taking you off the original vision track title that you had going forward, like you had to have the courage to step into something totally new. So you, you start working for this photographer and then really step into photography, right? You build a business around that first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I ended up working for this guy for four years and I'm so grateful for him. I, so much of where I am now is because all those years ago, some guy took a chance on me and invested in me and poured into me and taught me how to use a camera, taught me how to edit. And so for four years, I did his PR, I produced all of his photo shoots, I edited all of his images, I was his associate photographer, and um, it finally got to the point where I was getting booked on my own jobs, and ultimately, I had never wanted to start my own business, I was kind of like happy working for another person, being in the background, and it was definitely like a leap of faith, um, and really for me, when that, when that came was... I got booked on my first editorial job where I was head shooter. So what would happen is if they couldn't afford to hire him, if a brand or whatever, then they would hire me. And this was like my first real big job. And um, I got to hire my own team and assistants and stylists and wardrobe and hair and makeup. And I remember flying to New York City from... LA, like Googling on the flight, like, how do you use a flash? Like, oh my gosh. I had no idea. Like I was totally underqualified for this job and was so nervous. I was going to like blow up the photography studio by pressing the wrong button and setting everything on fire. But that shoot ended up going really well. And my intention while we were on set was I just want in an industry that really treats 
women and men like objects. Um, and there's a lot of like body shaming and it can be really cutthroat. I just decided I wanted to create a set that was authentic and gossip free, body shame free. And I fed my team, which was like, people were like, thank you for getting us food. And I was like, this, like the, the bar is set really low here, folks. And I remember leaving that day and the model, the head model coming up to me and saying like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for um, like, thank you so much for asking me what my name was today. No photographer has ever asked me my name before. That was like another one of those moments where I felt like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. Like I'm supposed to be in this industry. And I think for a long time I had felt that my being a woman was a liability because I was like this woman in a man's world. And I felt like I wasn't getting as much opportunity because I didn't know like the other big wigs who were all men. And so they weren't referring me jobs. And I realized in that moment that actually being a woman is my biggest asset. And instead of like viewing it as like my biggest, like source of weakness, if I shift that mindset and use it as my biggest strength, like I think I have like a real opportunity to tell a different story here. So that campaign ended up getting picked up for two national campaigns. And then it ended up in print as um, the cover of um, a magazine. And shortly thereafter, I took the leap and started my photography business, which was like, not all fun and games. Like I was all high and mighty because I was connected to this big wig photographer. And so turns out when you go off on your own and you don't have that name connected to you, like things were really hard. And so I ended up moving to New York to pursue editorial photography. And in that stretch, I had also started um, the online publication that I currently run, The Refined Woman. And man, that first year in New York, I made less than $20,000. I was struggle fest city. I was like, holy cow, how am I gonna how am I gonna pay my rent? I mean, it was very, very humbling because I had come from this place where I had notoriety. And then I started my own business and it was like, I mean, I was like tail in between my legs, like accepting as like assistant positions and editing other people's photos again and really went into that hustle mode before I could really build my business back up. So yeah, it definitely hasn't been like a, you know, like a linear journey. And then the refined woman has a whole other journey in itself. So yeah. yeah. And I just, I love how you took that thread from that photo shoot with that, that model and the team. And you obviously had this gift of empowering them and lifting them up and making them feel unique and special and important and took that and started to weave it into what you were doing in your work. And that's why you were able to kind of step into these roles. And since today, we're going to be breaking down this concept of going from having this side gig and making it, as you call it, your main squeeze, which I love and doing it in a way that doesn't leave you feeling burnt out and fried and not in, you know, alignment with how you want to live and your values and all that. At what point did you start to realize like even with the refined woman like I can monetize these things I can start to grow these into an actual business and step out of the full-time role that you had previously Mm -hmm. knowing that a lot of the people that we're talking to right now are at that place like where they have a side hustle and they want it to be the main thing for them yeah gosh there's so much to say there I would say um 
for, so their find woman was I, what I like to refer to as, and I think most side hustles and small businesses are this, it was a very expensive side hobby. <laughs> like that's really what it was. It was not a business. It was a very expensive side hobby for a long, long time. And, you know, once I got, um, my photography business, more into like a well-oiled machine, like trial by error. I knew how much to charge and it took a couple years to get that up and running. Um, but I think what was hard for me about the refined woman is I could not figure out for the life of me how to monetize it. I it started off as like a style blog. And so the only real model I had seen to monetize like style blogs were through like paid sponsorships. And for whatever reason, like that did not work for my platform. Like people did not come to my platform to like buy clothes or click on affiliate links. And so for those first, it was five years of the refined woman, not bringing in a penny. And it was one of those things where I was like, why do I keep doing this? Like this is a time suck. It's a money suck. Like and at the end of the day, I felt so strongly that I was supposed to be doing this. And so I think for me, like the, like one of the biggest things that I had to get to was like to treat it like it was a thing before it was a thing. And I think I didn't do that in the beginning with the refined woman. Whereas like my photography business picked up steam a lot quicker because I, I was a business. It wasn't a hobby. Like I needed to pay my bills. So LLC did, I started a bank account. Like I had contracts in place, whereas the refined woman, I kind of started it on a whim and like, didn't really have a real vision for it. And was, I would kind of just like respond to things and put out fires as opposed to having like a real vision for it. And I'll be honest and tell you, I didn't LLC it until like five and a half years in and I didn't have a bank account for it. And so I think I got to this place where it was kind of time to like crap or get off the pot. <laughs> like, and I realized, well, of course, brands aren't taking me seriously. Of course, clients aren't wanting to hire me. I'm not taking myself seriously. I had a $50 template I bought off online to create a website and so for me, I think like the biggest thing is to like, if you're going to start a business, like hold it high, like hold yourself high and treat it like it's a thing. Like I treated it like it was a side hobby. So that's what it was. And so I think next after that is to like, what I had to do was like, kind of figure out like, what was my secret sauce and to like for me, like put blinders on because I would look to my left. I'd look to my right and be like, well, they're doing that. They're doing that. They're doing that. So that's what I need to be doing, but it wasn't working for me. And so just because like someone else was like growing their business on Instagram or sponsored posts or working for them, like I had to like figure out like what was my thing. Um, and that took like real time to like figure out, like, cause I had like built this platform and I had like a quote unquote audience, but it's like, I had nothing to give them. So, I mean, I feel like one of the most helpful things that I ever did was I love Instagram stories. It is like the best way to do 
R and D for your like client. And so I just started like doing polls and asking questions like, why do you follow me? What sort of content do you wish I would put out there? If you could ask me anything, what would you ask me? And really like, kind of like let the people talk and realized, oh, like I've been trying to do this style thing, brand strategy, social media strategy, how to increase your Instagram followers when really what people wanted to talk with me about was dating and singleness and how to put yourself out there, how to flirt. And I was like, you guys want to talk with me about that? Like what? Um, and so then I started creating content for um, single women. And that is when my business started taking off um, for the refined woman. But like I had to be willing to grow and pivot and kind of surrender like this is what this is going to be. And I think if I look back even at, at my photography career, like you know, if I stayed so like, oh my gosh, no, like it has to be this way. Like my biggest jobs have come by me saying yes to unexpected things, you mm -hmm. know? So I think it's super important to obviously like have a business plan and strategy and a vision of where you're headed, but then also be willing and open for it to look differently than you thought it might look for yourself. Definitely. And something you said that I can so resonate with because I can hear one of my original mentors in my head um, when I was kind of complaining to him about my business not being where I wanted it to be. And his response was, well, what do you expect? You've been treating it like a hobby all this time. You want Ooh. it to reward you like a business. You got to treat it like a business. And it was just this wake up moment of like, oh, I have to step into a new le level of leadership. And the other piece of advice he gave me was you need to act like you took out a lien on your house or a $500,000 loan mm. to start this thing, even though you didn't like, even though a blog or whatever you're creating doesn't have that level of overhead or capital that has to go into it. You pretend and you convince yourself that it does, because then you're going to show up for it. You're going to get up early for it. You're going to stay up late for it. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to make the sacrifices for it. And it's going to start to grow because of those things. And to your point about pivoting, I mean, it's so important. And we talk about this and I feel like it's just this it's in so many of our episodes because it's, it needs to be like, we need to be beat over the head with it, yeah. which is keep a finger on the pulse of your people. Like yeah. you, you thought in a vacuum in your mind that they wanted X, Y, Z. So you were creating it, creating it, creating it and wasn't producing. Yeah. And as soon as you asked, what do you want? And then you started giving them that it was like, you had, you know, greased the skids and things got so much more, not necessarily easier, but like mm -hmm. you had clarity and you knew what direction you were going in. So speaking to, to the people right now that, you know, are like just the, in the chaos of life, let's say yeah. they have a full-time job and they're trying to build this thing up on the side. Obviously we've kind of hopefully given them some perspective on how they can at least mindset this thing and actually mm -hmm. view this as there's no plan B. Like I'm making this happen. Mm -hmm. This is the business. I'm going to treat it like as such. Mm -hmm. What are some practical tips maybe for someone that has limited time because of mm -hmm. just the nature of the beast to be able to move the needle in bigger chunks so that they can get to a place where they say, okay, I'm out of here, full-time job. I'm ready to take this leap when they're only working with this, you know, this fraction of time each day, maybe. Well, I think, oh gosh, first I totally understand that. I mean, I still run two businesses. I still run my photography business and my photography business is my main source of revenue and the refined woman is my second business. And so 
you know, throughout my days, I'm constantly going back and forth. And then on top of that, this year I signed a book deal. So I'm finishing my first manuscript due in a couple weeks. And it's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, Oh, I have like two businesses I'm running and then I'm supposed to write a book and how's that supposed to get done? So it's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, there's this other plate spinning. And I feel like for the person that's like doing the full-time job and doing the side hustle on the side, like I would say, man, the biggest thing I can, I think of in that is like to be so strategic with your time. So like, if you know, like I have four hours a day to work on the side business. Like, man, I am such a fan of block scheduling just to get real practical. So it's like eight to nine. Well, first, I don't do emails first. Cause once I open my inbox, it's like, I'm derailed for the whole day. Same. But for me, what that will look like is all right. So from like nine to one Monday through Friday, I'm writing like my phone is on airplane mode. Like I'm not responding from like one to one thirty, I can take a break. One thirty to three thirty, I schedule these interviews, and so I think just like being super strategic and you owning your time and projects as opposed to like your time owning you. Because um, when I just get in responder mode, like the firefighter, like. I feel like I run around with my head cut off, like a chicken with its head cut off. And I get to the end of that stretch of however much time you have on that side project. And then you're like, what did I even get done? Um, so I think it's super important to block that time. Um, one of the things I use is called Pomodoro method. Um, so I, uh, work for 25 minutes at a time. And during those 25 minutes, it's like, email is, is shut down, like text message shut down, social media shut down. So I can get a full 25 minutes, not interrupted. And then take a five minute break where you literally get up from your desk, go outside, get a glass of water, maybe scroll Instagram for a second, and then go back and do another 25 minute. And then you do that four times. And then after the fourth time you take a 15 minute break. And then I just repeat that. So that's just like a super practical, like productivity hack. And then I would say like, on top of that, like, I always like make that, make the daily list and like top three, like, what are the top three things that you need to get done? Um, And then who was, I was talking with the guy, um, Mike Mayashiro, and I had him on my podcast and he said something that was so interesting to me when, when we were talking about how do you know when you can take that leap from the side, from your side hustle, just kind of being on the side. And he was like, ask yourself this, like, can, um, would I bet on myself? Like, look at how you're showing up, look at your work ethic. Like, are you worth betting on? And I think that is, it can be like an easy question and be like, Oh yeah, I totally bet on myself. But like, are you able to hustle? Are you able to like get creative? Like, is your business model worth betting on? Like if you went to shark tank and you were to like pitch your business, like, do you have a trustworthy business model? And I do think so much of the time it's one of those like jump now, fear later, or ask for forgiveness, not permission. Like you might not always feel a hundred percent ready, but it's really once you take that, take that jump, um, where it's like, okay, when I need to make it full time, then you make that money to make it full time. And so for example, 
the refined woman hadn't made money ever. And then I got this opportunity to be a part of a mastermind that was $25,000 for the year. And I was like, how the heck am I supposed to pay for this if the refined woman brings in no money? And I, out of like leap of faith, said yes to the mastermind. And so guess what? I figured out a way to bring in that money every single month. So I think there is real value to like, when you need to do it, you can rise to that occasion. Mm-hmm. And then I, I do want to say, like, I feel like there's a couple of different perspectives here. Like the flip side of that is because I, I have these like two businesses and I'm grateful that I've had my photography business that has basically invested into my refined woman business because I will say that while that can all sound like all good and fun, like I experienced like real burnout when I was in those early stages of my business. Cause I was like, I have to pay rent. Like, like I didn't have that safety net when I started that photography business. And so I think you can do that jump now fear later thing, which I did. And I think it can be a really good thing, but I also don't think it's terrible to wait until your business is in a place where it can financially sustain itself. If you're like, well, like my business brought in $500 last month, time to quit my full-time job. Well, maybe not (laughs) like when it, maybe when it gets to that point to where it's making just as much as your full-time job. And if you went full-time, it would be able to bring in more money. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I know I just like in saying that I kind of go back on what I just said, but I do think that both options in a sense are valuable. And it's just like stopping and figuring out like, what is it that I need? Like what's going to be good for my life and my business? Because I was able to make it work with my photography business, but I also sacrificed a lot of like work-life balance and health because I had to make it work because I didn't have the backup plan. And I've noticed with the refined woman that at times it's been really nice to have another business and like a separate revenue stream to like be this consistent thing in the background so that I didn't have to make decisions based off crap. I need to keep the lights on this month. So I have to accept this job or this client that isn't in line with my target market, or I have to compromise my pricing, whatever, because I had that other revenue stream. So yeah, I kind of went down like two trails there. No, I think they're relevant though, because there isn't a cookie cutter model of how you do this, of how you Mm -hmm. go from side hustle to full time. And it really has to be in alignment with the vision that you have for your life. And just people's circumstances are different. Like someone doing this as a young single person with rent to pay is different than if you're the breadwinner for a family of five, and this is how you feed your kids. Like you have, you have to face your realities and make choices accordingly and not put yourself in dangerous Mm -hmm. situations. And that's why I talk all the time about having multiple income streams. Like it's why I've had a network marketing business that's been able to thrive and grow to a place where it can be an investor in my other business Mm -hmm. for the same reason that you, you know, have your photography business funneling into refined woman, because Mm -hmm. it allows you to, to, accelerate growth and make decisions not based on necessity as much as passion and heart and vision of what you have for your company. Just so people have an idea in case they're like almost like a rapid fire type thing. When you got to that place where the mastermind came onto the table Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's what we need our back against the wall a little bit. It's like, I really want this thing and I'm not producing like it's game time. I got to do something. 
what were the ways that you monetized Refined Woman right in the beginning stages to bring in a cash infusion to allow you to do that mastermind? Yeah. So I finally let go of the whole um, like affiliate link, style post, all of that. And once I started listening to my audience and what they wanted, I created the first thing I did was I created like a 30 day meditation guide and sold it for $20. And like, I, like the first time I launched it, like I got like several thousand people sign up for it. And I was like, what, <laughs> like, what the heck people want this? Like, I just had no idea there were other ways. And I think, I think the, the magic sauce about being a part of a mastermind and I back to like, how to get from your side hustle and make it to a main squeeze, like build a community of other entrepreneurs to give you feedback because we, I mean, I was like, so in it, like I couldn't see other ways to make money and we would do hot seats where one person would sit and say like, ah, well, I need to come up with a way to make $2,500 this month. And I have no idea how to do that. And then for five minutes, everyone would just like spitfire ideas. So that was a way I created a course for single women. It was first called Grounded and like the 2.0 version of it that I launch um, a couple times a year now is called Activate Your Dating Life. And that was like at a higher price point of um, it. Um, the first time I launched it was $150 and now it's around $250. I started doing one-on-one -on -one coaching calls like for single women and I launched a podcast and started getting sponsorships for that. So it was kind of like this ragtag, like, let me throw some spaghetti on a wall and see what will stick. But it was really those first few devotional guides that I made. Um, and then the course that really, really got that. And then, you know, from that, from, from the podcast, I started getting speaking opportunities, um, and like paid opportunities to speak. So it was just kind of like, I was, it was so weird. It was like, yes, I put in a lot of work there. And like, I don't feel like I've ever like sold anything that I didn't like spill my guts on the floor, like trying to, trying to like, I've like never had something accidentally go viral. Um, right. But it was like taking, it was like trying out those new things and selling them. And I think I also had to get over this mental block of like, I never wanted to be like salesy or like self-promoting. Like I had seen so many friends of mine who had, like, we kind of started around the same time. And I was like, honestly, I just want to stop following them online. Cause I feel like everything felt really gamey and like, do this and 10 ways to double your following overnight. And I just felt like I could see straight through like everything they were doing and it felt so inauthentic. And so I, I, it wasn't until my business coach was like, well, just because someone else is doing it inauthentically doesn't mean you have to do it inauthentically. And then when I found out that the Instagram algorithm was like only 6% of people that follow you ever see your stuff. Like, cause I would like promote something once and then be like, well, I did it. Like I promoted it one time on Instagram stories right. and I'm never talking about it again. Cause I don't want to be annoying. Now it's like all day long. I'm talking about things every day. Um, cause I think I also had to remember like, and I think this was the mindset shift too, of like moving from like, I'm not here just to make a dollar. Like I'm here to serve. 
And I think that this content that I've created is so valuable that it could be used to transform someone's life. Like if someone goes through this devotion guide, like it's really going to support them in their day-to-day life. And if someone, if a single woman goes through my course and is able to like show up in her season of singleness, like, and go on dates and meet someone and be in a meaningful relationship, like that is amazing. So then it's not me like buy this so I can make a buck. It's like, I want to like see transformation in your life. I want to serve you. Like that really helped me. Cause I felt like I just never wanted to be that like salesy person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you're hitting so many important points for people listening in that hopefully will allow them to start to take some action. Mm-hmm. And one one question I wanted to ask you just to get your thoughts to kind of wrap this up is, do you think that entrepreneurship is for everyone? Like, do you think that taking that leap, I know it's available to everyone, but do you think it's the right thing? Um, that's such a great question. I'm so glad you asked it. And I absolutely not. I do not think it's for everyone. And in fact, when I have people come up to me all the time and they're like, oh, your life is so cool. You get to do your own hours and, you know, work from anywhere. And I'm like, yeah, you have a 401k, you have a retirement program, you have insurance that's paid for. And when I have people that come up to me and say like, oh, I just want to start a business. I, I, I want, I have this entrepreneur spirit. And then I say, oh, what do you want to start? And they're like, well, I don't know. Like, I've just always wanted to start a business. And I'm like, then don't, don't do it. Like, like starting your own business, first of all, is really hard. A lot of businesses don't make it. I think the statistic is like, what is it? It takes like five years to get out of the red or something. Yeah, I've heard um, three to five before you become profitable or not in, not in the red, like you said. Yeah. And I think something that I never considered before I started my business is when I was working for this other photographer is I remember him being like, you know, it's a lot more expensive than you think. And I was like, what do you know? (laughs) And then once I started my own business, I realized like, oh, wow. Like when you own it, like it's not a nine to five. Like, and Mm -hmm. I really, really try to practice this like healthy boundaries. And I try to keep a 40 hour work week. I take weekends off. I take a full 24 hours a week, like no social media, no emails. Like I schedule rest into my weekly, quarterly, yearly rhythms. However, like if you work for a corporation, let's just say like my friend works at Goldman Sachs. He's worked there since he graduated college and now he's 15 years into his career. So he's on commission, his company's paying for him to get his master's, um, there's certifications that your company pays for. They do often people, companies do 401k matching programs or, um, help you invest your money and create a portfolio for yourself. I think stuff like that is what a lot of people starting businesses don't think of. So yeah, you're able to take home your money, but like, bringing home a hundred thousand dollars as an entrepreneur is like nothing compared if you brought home a hundred thousand dollars, if you were worked for a corporate company that had all those matching programs. And so I just think, you know, people think it's going to set me up for all this freedom. And 
I, I mean, it's hard work. I would say like I'm 10 years into my photography business and only in the last like two and a half years has it been like easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl. Like, and it took a long time and no one in my company except for myself is, you know, we have to pay the $25,000 for the mastermind or the certifications. Um, Like we have to be super proactive about getting like business coaching. Whereas like, if you're at a company, like you can be on a track where they're like grooming you to be on a C-suite level. So all that to say, like, I hope this, I'm not like, don't start your own business, but I do think it's like really important. Like it's not sexy. Like right. if once you're starting your own business, it's like, if you ain't working, you ain't working, you know, yeah. like you don't get paid time off, you know, and it's hard to build it to that. So I know it can be like a, a really sexy thing. And I had a a friend recently, she does, um, like, uh, cooks on the side and like really at once has wanted to take that into a full-time business. And she has this incredible stable job, like from, it's like she paid on salary, but she doesn't even have to work 40 hours a week. And I was like, what if you just kept that? And then like anything you made on your side project is like down payment for a house Mm -hmm. or like icing on the cake or paying for a vacation or money put aside for the kid's college. Like we don't always have to make the side hustle the main thing. Like Mm -hmm. I think we put a lot of pressure on it um, in today's culture, but it can just be a side project that brings you in like $20,000 extra a year that is icing on the cake for you. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no cap. So when you play your cards, right. And you build the, a strong business model with passive income streams and multiple income streams, there's nothing to say you can't build a a six figure, multi six figure business side hustling. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people do exactly what you said. Like they think of entrepreneurship as this, like, Oh, finally I can leave this job. I hated. I mean, I had a little bit of that Mm -hmm. in the beginning, like 10 years ago. And it was a massive kick to the gut dose of reality once I got Mm -hmm. into it. And it's like, Oh dear God, like there are multiple years where I have to believe so hardcore in my, you cannot go into entrepreneurship just thinking I just am here to make money. You will freaking hate your life 10 times more than you hated your life in your corporate job. Because if you don't have a mission that is like etched on your soul to get you to do what's necessary to earn a living without anybody there to cheer you on or guide you or celebrate your wins or hand you the the guidebook, none of it. You're like pulling this stuff out of thin air to create this dream. If you don't have this as like, if this isn't a vocation for you, it's not going to be any better for you than the flip side of the coin, because you're just going to be in this hustle mode and stressed and focused on the wrong thing. So I'm glad you said that because I think it needs to be heard not to talk people out of it, but like, don't go taking the sleep if you don't have something that like speaks to you, even if it's not a clear business plan yet, there better be a motive behind it. That's, that's pure and really inspired by who you are and what you want for your life and what you want for the world or whatever you might see, like the gaps that you see that you Mm -hmm. can fill the problems that you can solve. Mm -hmm. Um, So this has just been Mm -hmm. awesome. I so appreciate Kat, you coming on and, and sharing this with us. And I just think it was such an, uh, an important conversation that needed to be heard by people who are kind of on that fence and towing the line a little bit as to what's next for them. 
And I think the important thing is like, you do have to get scrappy. You do have to be passionate. You have to be willing to do things that a lot of people aren't willing to do. But if you are those things and you do have that mission on your soul, there's, there's no cap or limit to where you can go with it. Um, but can you do us a favor and let us know where our listeners can come find you? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. And even just everything you just said, I'm like, oh, that, that was so good. Like I feel so inspired. And, um, I think it's, I mean, another reason why it's so important as entrepreneurs, small business owners to be talking to each other. And cause it can feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm on this Island all by myself spinning my wheels and how do I get out of this? And you know, I think we take for granted if when you're at that corporate job or that everyday job, like you have people to bounce ideas off of. And it's so easy to just get into the like, oh my gosh, I'm all by myself. Like I need some outside perspectives. So I'm so grateful for what you do and for this conversation. Um, so thanks for having me. Yeah, of um, course. Um, where you can find me is on the refinedwoman.com. And that is also my Instagram is the refined woman. My podcast is called the refined collective. And then for any single women listening, I have so many amazing goodies for y'all. You can go to bit.ly slash TRW dating tips and get, I have a free downloadable guide called six tips to activate your dating life. And that will just kind of like get you all the information you need to like get into my community. And I mean, I'm just always serving up all the stuff for the single ladies. So (laughs) awesome. Well, I'll link to everything in the show notes, but we appreciate you and can't wait for our listeners to hear this one. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show. So you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies freebies for my homes, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all of the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.